Well, hooly dooly, I can honestly hand on heart say that Hard Candy could have been the album to completely and utterly destroy Madonna, professionally and personally. And I'm not exaggerating, in this age of Black Lives Matters, she was so determined to nail the gangster image for this new urban sound that she actually seriously planned to call this album Black Madonna. And it wasn't just a nugget of an idea. She even did a photo shoot resplendent in black face makeup. Listen to this quote from Madonna herself. I did a photo shoot with Stephen Klein for my last album cover and I painted my face black, except for red lips and white eyes. It was a play on words. Have you ever heard of the black Madonna? It has layers of meaning and for a minute I thought it would be fun. I thought it would be a fun title for my record. Then I thought, 25% of the world might get this, probably less, it's not worth it. It happens all the time because my references are usually off the Richter scale. So consider this, Madonna fans, there is an entire photo shoot of Madonna sitting somewhere on a memory stick, probably in Stephen Klein's archives, which features Madonna portraying herself as a black version of Madonna. This is more than a stick of dynamite. As we trawl through our retro review of Hard Candy, Megs, Lily and David, it's mind-blowing to consider how close our icon came to obliterating her own career. Can you believe it, Megs? A black Madonna? Imagine that album cover of Hard Candy, the black Madonna. Yeah, no, I was was amazed when I read about this, like in these turbulent times, like it was different probably in 2008 when she released it, but in these turbulent times that would have been... absolutely terrible even at the time we're not even it was a different time but it would have absolutely been like beyond even from madonna's standards beyond scandal Mm. even at the time and then it would have resurfaced now and honestly i i hand on heart say she she would have completely been banned yeah and and blacklisted and she would not have a career that's how far and that is madonna the queen of scandals yeah well it was one of those rare times where she had to decide that this is too controversial which is very hard for madonna to define anything as too i'll tell you something megs if there's an idea that even madonna thinks might be going a little bit too far then you know it's probably beyond morally objectionable yes, yes. <laughs> lily and david what do you make of this i know we're t- here to talk about hard candy but i want to just start by talking about the what could have been madonna likes to push the envelope, as we all know. And, you know, she wants to stay relevant. She wants to stay uh, cool. Hey, I'm going to, I'm putting out this album that is very R&B influenced, uh, more street-like. So why not, you know, give that street sensibility to my look? So, you know, who knows if if she would have gone through with it. I think... Mm. I think it would have been okay. I don't think that, I think that some people would be like, what? She couldn't do it in 2020. No way. (laughs) No. I I hear what you're saying. Artistically, there's a logic to it. But I truly think even back then, um, here in Australia, there were a couple of examples. In fact, Harry Connick Jr., he came on an Australian show earlier than 2008 when Hard Candy was released, and he called out uh, a skit that was done on the show, a comedy skit, where some Aussie guys came out in blackface, and everyone was just howling with laughter, and it was considered very funny, and I will never have anything but respect for Harry Connick Jr., for in the middle of all of that, you know, when you're in a big group and everyone's finding something funny, to be the lone man, and he said it so beautifully, so respectfully, go and look it up on YouTube, and he just said, look, I just wanted to say 
with his American. I just wanted to say that uh, I know you guys all thought that was really funny, but actually there's a context, and he gave the context so beautifully and so professionally. Mm. So I guess what I'm saying, David, is I, I think it's interesting that you sort of contend maybe at the time it might have been seen as okay. Yeah. I don't know. I think it would have been outrageous even back then. Uh, I agree that it would have been seen as bad because I think by doing blackface for the cover of the album, it would not only be like seen as offensive, but it's insinuating that only black people listen to this kind of music. It's like, this is black music and I'm Madonna doing black music. And I think it's very odd because you'd think of Madonna as very progressive. And I'd say this was an odd choice for her to make in her history yes. of being. Yes. Ignorant, right? Ignorant. Yeah. And not like Madonna at all. I was just going to say, I, being that she was working with Timberland and Pharrell Williams, you know, oh, guess yeah. what I'm doing, guys, for my album cover? I would love to know their take on it. Go ahead. Yeah, that's oh, exactly what I was yes. going to say. I was going to say, like, she's had Kanye West on this one and, you know, a lot of hip-hop in it as well, sort of, like you said, a bit more street sort of stuff. And so I think people might have interpreted as interpreted it that way which would have been really bad it's also worth remembering that back in her very early career it wasn't her choice at this stage they didn't want madonna on the cover of her first single because they wanted the public to believe that she was a black artist so it all comes full circle in a way it's very interesting mm. what would it have done for madonna's career if she had have gone ahead with black madonna as the title of the album and with that controversial cover? Honestly, I don't know what would have happened. I would only assume negative. I honestly don't want to think about it just because it didn't happen. Mm. And I, I was just going to say, as someone who lived through the Like a Prayer scandal, the sex scandal, which were all pretty mega, I have to say, for people who weren't around, you just don't get it, no internet, and it was everywhere and people were angry and outraged about it or excited and and inspired by it, this would have blown all of those into nothing. This would have been the Vesuvius of Madonna scandals. Mm. You really can't, or she couldn't really defend it. When you think about it, how would she defend it? By saying, exactly. oh, I've, I've got, I just adopted David Banda. And, you know, it's, it's, you think about it and it's like, and, and she's, always you know she, even back in her early new york days i mean she's uh, she's always embraced the black community but still i mean there's no justification to it yeah but what i'm reading here is that the black madonna tends to refer to statues or paintings in Western right christians and the right. blessed virgin mary and the infant you can Jesus. already see the interviews so, megs you can see the interviews that's not what i meant yes, that's not what she, i meant i was referring to her religious she, symbolism she would say it was religious symbolism i know and, but absolutely there would have been calls and i actually don't even think calls i think there would have been genuinely legal there would have been genuine legal proceedings to remove her children from her. I, I, honestly, I think that this would have been mega. My other question to you all, mm. what happens if any of these photographs emerge today? Uh, probably career-ending. Um, I would say Stephen Klein would be shady if he did that. She probably regrets it. She's not going to comment on it, of course, nowadays because she doesn't want to bring attention to it. Well, I mean, I think she's came 
campaigning for Black Lives Matter at the moment as well. And, you know, they would just, it would, I think it would have wrapped. But I think maybe she'd be able to defend it on the basis that it was years ago and it was for a particular artistic mm. project maybe, don't maybe. you think? Oh, that's, that's where her PR team would go 100%. Yeah. But these photographs from the description that she herself has given, they're not light. She's gone full out like Madonna would do. It, they're, yeah. they're full-on photographs. David, you were going to say. I was going to say, do you guys remember when in the movie Truth or Dare uh, and she was being banned by the Vatican, she had read a statement and it was beautifully written. I just see her, if if this were to come out, like I just see her like with a written statement, you know, on TV stating, you know, her thoughts, her beliefs and how she never intentionally would ever mean to hurt anybody or you know, be, you know, she wouldn't ever want to cause a ruckus like that in terms of a, a person's skin color. I mean, mm. you said it best, David, before when you referred to the other things that she's spoken about are defensible. There's an argument. There's a logic. Right. This would be considered indefensible. There's no right. statement she could read. Yeah, on no the justification. Steps. Like I said, yeah, exactly. She's a smart woman. It's like, I'm sure she was like, whoa. I mean, she said there's a little snippet where she's like, I think 25% of people will get this. Uh, I think it would probably be half of that, maybe 12.5%. I don't know. Yeah, but the evidence that that's not what she was going for, like uh, that, that, you know, she was going for a black skin thing. She was mainly going for the religious symbolism symbolism is like you know she's, she's campaigning for black lives matter she has no prejudice she actively speaks out against prejudice i can tell you like, something megs the public know. the public wouldn't care i feel like in, in this that photo time, would I, be so much more powerful you know that and you know what i don't think it has anything to do i don't think it has anything to do with religion it has to do with a, a, a r&b album you know rhythm and blues came from the black culture I don't think that if she were to go the religion route and say it's a painter, no, I don't. I think that would really backfire on her. That's just yeah, my opinion. It, it absolutely is part of what she was trying to do, and I think yeah. this, in this culture that we're in now, I think truth is going to spring back quite hard, and maybe it would actually work out well for her because it would be an example of people celebrities being attacked for saying something or doing something that was meant to be doing uh, like in, intended to be doing or saying something else, but then being used by you know, people on the left, for example, to, you know, attack them and pillage them. I hear what you're saying, Megs, but this one, this particular topic is too explosive, too sensitive. She yeah. she wouldn't, she would not live this one down. Yeah. So look, let's, let's just hope that those photos never see the light of day. This was her 11th studio album. It was released in 2008. Let's talk about the music now. Megs, what do we make of Hard Candy as as a piece of music, as as a product. I actually really, really love this album. I think that there's pretty much no filler in it. You know, every song is, it, <laughs> it all links together really well um, with the theme of R&B and everything and how Pharrell Williams provided the demos and they built off of those and gave it a really smooth pop sound, like really sophisticated sort of polished vocals. And I think the whole album is really, really good and achieved what it was trying to achieve. Lily, David, was this the uh, the sequel to Bedtime Stories? <laughs> um, well, I, no, I don't think. I, I love what Madonna did here. She was coming off an incredibly successful album with Confessions on a Dance Floor and an incredible tour. 
and a Grammy award-winning album. It won the Grammy for Best Dance Album. And what she did, what Madonna does so well is, you know, she completely does a 180. She, you know, Confessions on a Dance Floor was a complete disco montage where now it's like, I'm going to go complete R&B, hip-hop, pop, dance pop, going to leave the disco behind. There was a little bit of disco influence there, but I just love the fact that she really changed it up. Lily, some people say that this album uh, involved Madonna being a puppet to too many other producers and that she became sort of secondary to the album, whereas usually she's at the forefront. Well, I would have to agree with that statement, I would think. And we can talk about this on the individual tracks, but I would say sometimes Pharrell and Justin put themselves in it too much when they don't need to. And I would say that could be with her for like choosing to work with them, or it's most likely them just pushing their way to be in the front of something that they shouldn't be. But my opinion about Hard Candy is that it's not like you could argue that Confessions, Ray of Light, Erotica, Like a Prayer, these albums are not only great pop albums, they're great pieces of art. Hard Candy is not a great piece of art, but it's a great, fun pop album. I would say it's not one of her worst. It's definitely not her best, but from what it offers, it's great. I tell you what, it was bloody successful too. I know Confessions was as well, but there's by any standards commercially, this was a success and then obviously led into the Hard Candy tour, which was the biggest grossing concert tour by a solo act ever. So, and... (laughs) Only three singles, though, and, and not as much promotion as Madonna usually does. So it did it did incredibly well. And only one top ten single I fought as well, which was Four Minutes. I think there was only one, and so that's a bit. But overall, it did really well, I think, comparatively, even though the singles themselves didn't sort of blow the charts up sort of thing. Okay, so I, had, I hadn't listened to Hard Candy, the album, all the way through in about a decade. So oh, it was nice. Yeah, I, I know. I'm, I call myself a Madonna fan, right? Uh, <laughs> but anyway, revisiting it, I, I really fell in love with it again. I, and and I, I did a lot of homework on this the past week. And I, I, went, I Googled, like, you know, articles on Hard Candy. And a, a, a lot of critics said, the same thing like was it Megs that said no filler there isn't a bad track on this album and well are we we okay no I'm just (laughs) I have a very heavy opinion about um one song in particular that hearing those statements I don't know which one you're referring to (laughs) well anyway I I uh, but I I think it's a great cohesive album I think that Mm. Madonna sounds great on it no auto tune. I, I think that's really nice. I, I give I give it a solid B plus. I, I, I get I give it a very good grade. Excellent, yeah. artful. No, I agree with with Lily on that. But it's fun. It's just that yeah. it's a fun piece of work. I fully agree, and I, and I appreciated the collaboration with Justin and like how she just she she went where her heart desired basically because she heard Justin's two thousand and six album and she just decided to go with that and I'll just collaborate with him. Like it wasn't like a big master plan, like an amazing artistic piece. It was, I think it was just a really interesting period where she was just experimenting and doing what she felt like. And 
I think the album is really, like you say, cohesive in, in its aims. Yeah. I really, really love um, reading reviews when they're cleverly written. Listen to this one from Stephen, uh, Stephen Thomas Earlwine from All Music. He wrote at the time, quote, there's a palpable sense of disinterest in Hard Candy, as if she's just handed the reins over to Pharrell and Timberlake, trusting them to polish up this piece of stale candy. Maybe she's not into the music. Maybe she's just running out this last album for Warner before she moves on to the greener pastures of Live Nation. Either way, Hard Candy is a rare thing, a lifeless Madonna album. Yeah. Well, it's it's the same old song with the critics. You know, they're hard on her in the beginning, and then 10 years later, they revisit it and say, oh, wow, <laughs> it was the same thing with Erotica. It was, the it same was ahead thing. of its time. <laughs> it was the same thing with American Life. American Life is like, I have all the critics now say, oh, my gosh, you know. I think mm. hard can, and you know, maybe, maybe MDNA in a few years will, I, I don't know about that one, but. That will never be, <laughs> that will never be honored, <laughs> David. <laughs> well, it's my least favorite Madonna album, so. <laughs> <clears throat> All right. Let's move through this album track by track. The opening uh, track is Candy Shop. And I've got to say, this is a really odd track for me. I really didn't like it the first few times I heard it. I thought, wow, this is lightweight for an opening track because Madonna is quite famous for opening her albums with something either highly creative or just have having that wow factor. But this song has really grown on me, like so many, because of the live performances, really. I, I just And I love this Sugar is Raw. I have no idea why, but when that part <laughs> comes on, I'm into it. And then that dance that she does from the concert where she's moving mm. from a right across the yeah, stage. I love that. Bloody awesome, I've got to say. I think it's a great opening for this album. <laughs> If that has some level of shape, you decide. <laughs> um, I think it perfectly sums up the cheeky but dancey vibe that the album will have. And I do think the song itself is quite fun. It's it's pretty stupid though, like the lyrics and the "My Sugar Is Raw" stuff. I mean, I will not. I will not <laughs> go a full month without at least saying that once. So. <laughs> well, Steve, it's got under your skin. David, what's Candy yeah. Shop about? Um, well, it's uh, kind of, I guess it's tongue-in-cheek. Um, you know, uh, there's a lot of double entendres there, I guess. So, you know, it's just, you know, I'm going to show you a good time coming in my candy shop and I'll give you something sweet. But yeah, don't well, take it, don't take advantage of me because I'm hard. I think that it's amazing as the opening for the concert. I think it's just a very theatrical song. Like, it's perfect for performance, for staging, for choreography. Um, I just think it was a really good way to open the Sticky and Sweet tour and it's and a good way to open the album. I'm pretty sure a lot of people would think Madonna's favourite Madonna song is Candy Shop because of the amount of times she has performed it for it not being a single. Yeah, she. I was very shocked when she performed it on, on MDNA. I'm like, really? You're bringing this song back? Yeah, and Rebel Heart. Mm. Oh, so she did three. She did three tours in a row with Candy Shop. Wow, that is interesting. She did three tours in a row, and that's I think more <laughs> than like oh, she's done. That. Isn't, that, isn't that funny, Lily? That I forgot Candy Shop was in Rebel Hearts. <laughs> single number one off the album was four minutes this was featuring justin timberlake and timberland as well which was very confusing to old brains like mine which one's which yeah and of course justin timberlake was the flavor of the moment at around the time that this was released 
I love Four Minutes. Four Minutes is amazing. It's 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 an excellent song, and it's got a meaning behind it as well as a good rhythm and everything. You know, it, I think the song she's talked about and how, um, or maybe she didn't talk about it, but people have speculated that it was after her visit to Africa that she wrote the song or came up with the idea for the song. And then we saw her oh, yesterday yeah. talking in an interview about how it's about the world is going to hell sort of thing and it's a little bit apocalyptic but at the same time we, it's hopeful and fun and we're going to have fun while we're correcting what we've done wrong and fixing the world and and I think it's just a great track as a good video clip it was a good single yeah it look, made the top 10 I've got to say like I feel that there's a great sense of desperation when she gets the flavor of the moment in this case Justin Timberlake to say her name in a track. She does this throughout her career, like Madonna. Like, come yeah. on, give me a break. Does that really need to be weaved into the song so that she's legendary? I know why she's doing it. I know the motivation, and it bothers me. She is legendary. It's, she deserves it. Justin should say her name. She's Exactly, but if you're truly legendary, you don't need, you know, you yeah. starter to say your name in a song. Well, Tim, but when you see the video... It, it all it all ties it in beautifully. Oh, don't get me started, David. That video, what a, what a load of old rot. I mean, what wait, the hell is going on? OMG, wait a minute. That video is fantastic in every oh, way. You have from to the, say from that, the David, special, because... No, from the special effects to Madonna's that first that facial work to, <laughs> to her amazing... I'm glad she went platinum again because I was sick of that, that drabby hair from the Confessions era. But anyway... <gasps> How dare you? you know, <laughs> it was a very entertaining video. I love the countdown clock in the back. Yeah. I love her. I love her little um, yoga poses. I mean, it's just yep. fun. It's fun. Let's it's fun. You know, it was groovy. No, anyone who says they like that video is just trying to make themselves. <laughs> no one knows what it means. What, what the devil does it mean? It means nothing. It's Who doesn't want to get down at a grocery store and dance on a conveyor, uh, the, 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 the grocery conveyor belt? That's, I mean, hello. They got I the will, French um, um, choreographers in and they had all these amazing ideas and that culminated in the video, like they're trying to get out of a maze or something. Like it's got, it's good. Sorry, Lily, um, I, Lily, I promised to let you get a word in, but I watched the behind the scenes of that. Even Madonna and Justin Timberlake admit in the middle of shooting this while they're standing there waiting to do a shot, we have no that. idea what's yes. going on here, but we assume it will be okay. What a yes. load of old tosh. But it doesn't really <laughs> They, they they danced their hearts out and it was great. It was yeah, fine. no, no. It was quite embarrassing watching him try to keep up with the bomb, actually. <laughs> well, yeah, but it's pretty hard. Something I will say that kind of bugs me about the song, and it's such a stupid thing that bugs me, is the song is four minutes and four seconds, and I really... <laughs> <laughs> I've heard that before. <laughs> it's something that really stands out to me and really bugs me. Um, another thing about the video is I think the video is fun. Like everyone's saying, I will admit, I think this song, Four Minutes, this might sound weird to um, David and Tim, but I would say Four Minutes as the video and the song for my generation, and I'm not sure if Megs agrees, is the one that stands mm -hmm. out as the Madonna track that everyone knows. Not like mm -hmm. like a prayer or vogue. What it's her most yes. left song ever, is it? Yeah, no, I know it's just getting. It, it, it's like it's it sort of environmentalism and saving the planet from no, destruction, it is not. and it's urgency. It's like, and now we <laughs> we have to take up the baton to you know deal with the mess. 
And so she we're going to dance and she, have fun along the way. She didn't have a flower or a tree in her I'm brain not, when she was well, helping to write I this. think she did, but I'm not even saying I agree. I just think that that's part of the meaning that's behind it. That's part of the meaning that she sculpted around it since because it's trendy and she does that very well. Yeah, but what the visit to Africa. It was yeah, her first know. top five single since Don't Tell Me, so it was eight years. Wow. Uh, Justin helped. Justin helped there with yes. the, you know, I'm youthful. We're going to bring in the youth. You know what? She's pushing 50 at this time. You, good, kudos to her. Again, I thought it was a great opening uh, single for an album. And uh, it was a different sound for Madonna. Yeah, it was very Justin-like and produced. But, hey, I, I, again, good jam. I noticed nobody's mentioned um, Timberland. I, I, didn't like how, I didn't like how he was filmed. I don't know. He was just standing by the clock. <laughs> yeah. I think he, he contributed a lot to the sound of it. Like people say that he contributed this unique kind of beat, like Bangra beats or something. I, I haven't looked into what that is. But like, and he contributed, you know, the idea of the cowbells and the foghorns going into it. And he, he made it partly what it was. And so that's good. I think that was just a homage to him in the video, basically. For sure. For sure. Yeah. Just sounds like a noisy mess, in my opinion. Oh. Track three, what? give it to I, me. I, now we're back into now we're back into Madonna territory with good pop music. Give it to me. There's some really interesting demo versions of this. There are some interesting other versions floating around on the net. Give it to me. What do we make of this one? Well, I think this song is fun, but I mean, honestly, the only reason I love this song is I love the bridge because I love how it builds with the vocoder and slowly gets more intense with it. But apart from that, it's just like a fun dance song to me and there's nothing super that stands out. Uh, I thought it was sort of a self-referential song to me. Like she was talking about nothing's going to stop her. She's going to keep going. It was a song about energy and vitality um, and how and, and you know how she's going to keep doing it and she won't stop just because she's getting older which is sort of like the the whole idea of the album that she's going to keep doing it and and i thought it was like just a really really good um track with its baseline and everything and i can't really fault it really. didn't she say that the the album cover was inspired by this track as well in terms of her yes. being, being a resilient boxer and yes no matter how many times she gets knocked down she's going to get back up and yeah i think she loves this song i think it's a big part of what she thinks when she thinks of the hard candy tour and everything or the sweet and set the whatever it's called sticky and sweet tour I love this track too, mainly because of that. That gets stupid left, right, left, right. If you listen to this on an awesome stereo <gasps> system, it's I forgot really about doing that. that. I yeah, forgot about that. Stuff. I hate that part. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, I'm just going to say that, like, like Candy Shop, which opened the tour, uh, give it to me, closed it, and I just remember the energy and the the dance routine, and just everybody was. I mean. Hey, it's it's anthemic, you know. Listen, you know, give it to me. I can handle anything. I agree. I think it's a great. It was a great tour closer. I would For almost sure. say it should have been the album closer because of the album. Anyway, we'll get there eventually. I think um, it would have been a great closer in general. It's sad though because this is where you know she had such a huge hit with um, four minutes, and then this is the second release. Number 57, a very high charting position for her, but then it falls off the chart the next week. 
radio didn't play it. No, right? Yeah. Is that is that why it didn't do so well? Radio didn't support it, you yeah, reckon? Because I would have thought this would be a complete chart stopper. Yeah, it's a shame. It's a shame that radio didn't. Uh, nope. Track four on the album is Heartbeat. I can't stand this song. What? Filler for me. I know you guys said there's no filler. This song is such a filler song to me. I think this goes back to her. uh, This could be on her first album, uh, a modernized version of something that was, that would be off the Madonna album. I, Hey, my booty get down. Right. I mean, again, Hey, she's feeling it. Who doesn't want to get down to that song? I would admit, I like how, like, on the Like a Virgin performance with Rebel Heart, how she incorporated the booty get down like part, but that is the only part I like in the song. (laughs) Well, I think she's, this has another deep meaning. I think a lot of the tracks actually have this, this particular theme associated with them, which is that she lives and breathes music. Like, it's, she feels it in her heartbeat, literally. It's like an inherent part of her. And she's, again, expressing pride in how amazing she is, how, iconic she is how vital she is and i think that the ent- the entire album now that i think about it is is kind of almost referencing herself yeah and and how how powerful her career has been and how amazing it's been and i think heartbeats just one that's talking about how important that is to her self-identity basically it's it's well produced i'll give it that too like it, it's, it's well, a very well produced song like all of just the songs doesn't, on this doesn't grab me at all track five miles away uh, I don't know why I, I, I want to like Miles Away very much. I really do. I can see that it means a lot to her in terms of like uh, it's quite personal and Madonna is not usually literal with her lyrics and with her music. This is one of the more literal songs she's ever released in my opinion. Yeah. And also there's a bit of an overlap with Kylie Minogue's Million Miles. They're on the same theme, distance, people being apart. And, yes, for all you Madonna people listening – Kylie's version, Kylie's version in inverted commas came out many years yes. later. And yeah, sure. <laughs> let's just say it. she probably was copying Madonna. She wasn't, by the way. But yeah, I know you want me to say it. So clip that out and stick it on a t-shirt. It's fine by well, me. Well, actually, miles away. And it was a lazy video clip. I don't know what's going on with this as a single track. I hated video. the video. Well, actually, speaking of videos, the Give It To Me videos, I think the worst of her career. What? Yeah, we didn't talk about that, did we? So the, the video clip for Give It To Me, yeah. She, she looked really sexy in it. You have to yeah, but that. she was just in a studio dancing around. There was nothing special about yeah. it. I agree. It didn't do the song justice, I don't think. Low budge. And then the video clip mm. for Miles Away. Um, it, was, it was her in concert. Budget. Yeah, in concert, but it was the studio track. It was not good at all. I would agree. Yeah, but I do understand yeah. the concept of it, like, oh, touring in Miles Away, that makes sense. But I think as a video, I hate when, like, it's one thing to do a live cut as a separate thing, but to do the live cut as the music video is no bueno to me. Sort of lazy. But I, I, I thought the song itself, though, if you just look at the song itself, was great. Like, it, it's about a relationship that's lost its passion, that's lost its way, and um, well, she wrote it. It, was, it had to do with Guy. Her breakup with Guy. Her ex-husband. yes, yes. It, it, that's literally what it's about. It's about like sort of you're still there physically, but you're miles away. You know, in in your head, like you're you're up in the clouds, sort of thing. And I think it's it it captures an emotion which is very 
a lot of people have felt. That's or, quite astute of you feel. to pick up on that, Mix, because a lot of people, because of the video clip especially, which mm. illustrates it, talk, they think that we're talking about a physical distance. She's touring the yeah, world I, and she's got all this adulation, right. yet she's so far away, literally. But I think she also means uh, emotionally. I think that's what she means entirely. I think people misread it when they say it's a long-distance relationship. I think it's actually um, an, an emotionally long-distance relationship yeah. where they've grown apart. It's probably both. I do want to say this is my favorite song on the album. I think I love this song too. I do too. It, I this has a special meaning for me because I I had a really great. I don't want to sound like I'm bragging, but I had a really great seat. I was I was um, ninth row catwalk, so I was in the middle of the catwalk. So it was awesome to see Madonna back and forth on that catwalk. She sang this in, in the front of the catwalk, and as she was ending the song she uh, was going back towards the stage and we connected eyes and she winked at me. So this song will always, <laughs> always, always have a special meaning for me. That's amazing. <laughs> That's beautiful. I don't want to diminish yeah. your story, but I do have to ask you a question. <laughs> you, know, you were standing amongst like a couple of thousand people. What makes you think the wink was directed at you? Oh, it, I, I, it was for <laughs> sure. For sure. Tim, we're so cranky sure. today. It, it was extremely, it was extreme. Hey, again, I, I don't want to, I don't want to, like sound like I'm, but hey, to get a wig from it. No, I was, uh, I I was blown away, blown away. Yeah, it was amazing. Yeah. You can tell when someone's looking at you, Tim. Yeah. It was very brief. It wasn't like she was like you know getting down with her guitar and winking at me. It wasn't like that. It's extremely no, brief. It, my favorite thing was at my concert. She said Elton John had a small penis. <laughs> Why would Elton John have ever shown Madonna his small penis? I don't know. That came up and she said that. She said that at the. Where did she say that? Um, At the at the Madame X tour I went to, um, someone shouted it out from the crowd, and she agreed. (laughs) (laughs) They've always had banter. Those two. (laughs) Yeah. She started dressing like me and talking like me. It freaked me out. I love this next track. She's not Speaking me. of Elton John. I've got to say, though, is this the sequel to Thief of Hearts from Erotica? Yes, for sure. I'm glad you said that, Tim. <laughs> and this is, my, this is my favorite song off the album. Good choice. I love that it's the, the verse is amazing. I love the chorus. This song has two bridges, and then the outro... It sounds like a completely different song. I love the oh, way. I love the outro. Love yes, the outro. I loved how Pharrell produced this song. I mean, it just everything. And you've got hand claps, which I'm all about a hand clap. And then you've got the whistle. So I'm thinking Donna Summer, Bad Girls. You've got those the xylophone, which kind of reminds me of Ring My Bell by Anita Ward. Megs and, and Lily probably don't know who that is, but a lot of cool elements in that song. Can you possibly imagine if they hadn't been so low budget with the whole album, quite frankly, the video clip that they could have constructed around like, and I know she did this in the concert and that's not why I'm saying it though, but the references to her early career, um, they could have done something incredibly um, like almost like a time vault of Madonna's career in this and then referencing it with a storyline because there's a storyline in this as well I, I always have quite a visual response to this song the video clip could have been unbelievable 
Yeah, I this agree. song is great, and the I think like the live cut from it with her backup dancers dressed as her is really cool. Something that stands out in this track especially, and I forgot to mention in other tracks, is as much as I appreciate Pharrell's production sometimes, I don't need a full rap verse from him on every song. <laughs> yeah. He, and who's Wendy? I think it worked. Oh, that's... Uh, uh, she played with Prince. They were oh. just... Uh, mm-hmm. Oh, I think I knew that. Anyway, it's just very bizarre to just randomly hear Wendy. Hey, I, I again, I think it's a brilliant track. Oh, it's great. Yeah, and it starts with his characteristic four beats as well, which I always like it when Pharrell does that. He does it with like so many of his songs, like all of his best ones start with four beats. Pharrell is all very of them. creative, but he's actually not, he's not the brightest man in the world. That's why no. I always think he's just counting to four so that he can get into the song. <laughs> <laughs> He's also not a very good singer, which I, uh, no. if you see him live, it's very, very terrible. Oh, he's but hideous. You don't, you don't notice it with the with the track because of the auto tune, so it's fine. I, I thought it was good, but also I love how she used this song for to mix it with Lady Gaga's "Born This Way" mm-hmm. um, and then express her, express yourself to say that she was copying Madonna in every way, and, and it was just perfect. I actually think it's one of the shadiest moments of a tour I've ever seen in my it life. It was amazing. When I first saw that on a grainy little MP4 on the internet, when it was someone had filmed it on a camera, I was like, that is genius. Yes. Beyond yes, genius. Those free songs. And for Gaga to take it so seriously, get a life, Gaga. You need to you know, <laughs> yeah. get a sense of humour. She's saying you won't knock me off my pedestal, basically. Like, you copied my Express Yourself with Born This Way, mm-hmm. and... You're not me. You'll never be me. I, I'm the iconic, uh, like I started the pop revolution, the females basically in the 80s. And Does anyone ever wonder what who this song was written about though? Because it definitely wasn't Gaga because she was no, not a, not a so. thing at the time really. Um, <clears throat> d- does anyone have any info, any insight? Was Guy seeing another woman at this time? Because she was still married with Guy, you know? And was that woman wearing Madonna's lingerie? <laughs> <laughs> I always found that quite an interesting line. It's like I'm right. sure she's meaning that the woman's wearing lingerie that's similar to Madonna's, but the line actually <laughs> references that the woman snuck into Madonna's bedroom, opened the bottom drawer, <laughs> taken out some of those conical bras and, and no, leggings. No, started stealing looks and lingerie. <laughs> it's not- I can't help it. It's a very visual song for me. Like I just – I get excited by the story of the it. jealousy and especially with how bitter and vicious it's supposed to be with when she performs it like and she yells at you and she she swears and you're right there's Britney a bitterness about this at the end in the tour which yes. is, we love yeah yeah. yeah i actually wish yeah. that was on the track itself is the personality yes. that she does when she performs it and like calling her dance she's like bitch it's like where was yeah. this on the track? Because the track is very straightforward, but there was a lot of charisma and personality when she performed it. Right. And like even, even in the beginning, when she's like, this one's for the ladies, it was, yeah. I'm like, okay, that's brilliant. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Oh, there you go. A lot of love for She's Not Me. And I think an incredibly poorly missed single opportunity. And talking of incredibly, track seven, incredible. <laughs> that was the worst segue ever. I, I hate this song. Yeah. See, yeah, I I, I I hated it until I got to the guitar part. And then when I heard the like it's time to get your hands up, boom, boom. It's like that's when I had fun. It's that stupid verse that I hate. But like the chorus and the part when she's like, I remember when that and then the dance breakdown, those are fun. 
But apart from that, I can very much understand why people would hate this track. It's unsophisticated and it's just predictable and boring. I don't like it. Well, d- weren't you the man who at the what? beginning, and yes, Lily's yes. identified I'm yes. cranky today and probably I am, okay. but weren't you the man at the beginning, or the boy, who mm. said that there are no fillers on this I, album? I, I actually said. Don't you change your mind no, halfway through. I, you I know said, people aren't allowed to do that. I, I had, I had, I inserted <laughs> a little comment that suggested that I thought that maybe one wasn't very good. because Lily. Oh, this said, was not the one I'm talking <laughs> about. So you're not talking about this. I thought you were talking about this one. You, <laughs> no. Any of them, I feel like it's this one, but I don't think any no. of the other ones are. We'll get to my... I really don't. You will get to it. I think I know what you might be talking about, but we'll find out. <laughs> this, song grew on, this song grew on me. I didn't like it at first, and then it grew on me. And then revisiting it this week, I listened to it like three. I'm like, wow, again, I think the structure of the song is fantastic. The verses, the chorus, and then we get in that great bridge. And then the yes, outro the, again, the bridge I, I don't know. down is great in the song. Like, and yeah, but I, I think the outro, I love it. Okay. It could have been edited probably 30, 40 seconds. It's a no, little it long. It's, it's a seven minute song. It could have been trimmed <laughs> a lot more than 30 yeah. seconds. Well, <laughs> I, I don't know. It grew on me. Um, I, I, I love it. I think it's awesome. I think it's I, incredible I, it made it onto the album. <laughs> <laughs> would you have actually I would agree and we can talk about this later. There's some great demos to this album. Track oh, eight beat goes on. If you ever want to get a bit of an insight into Kanye West's brain and what's going on in there, you can just <laughs> look to this song. On and on, on the beat goes. On and on, on the beat goes. On and on, on the beat goes. On and on. There's just not yeah. much going on. There's a bit of repetition. I actually really like this song though, and again, I think there are demos of of this song too, which I which I really enjoy as well. This yeah. is. A great song. I've listened to it too much, so I can barely listen to it anymore. Because, And I don't think I listen to it so much because it's one of my favourites. I think I listen to it a lot because I skip over so many of the other tracks when I'm on this album. What Do You Make Meg's Beat Goes On featuring Kanye West, the next president of the United States. I think don't you dare. That- <laughs> well, you've got Trump. I mean, you can't be that. He's dropped out. He's done. He's never going to run for but anyway, but look. You imagine I, Kim Kardashian being the first lady? For God's <laughs> sake. Seriously, I'll leave planet Earth. Her and that big fat ass. Can we stick to music, <laughs> not politics? So I think this fits the theme that I was talking about really well. It's about her being iconic. It's about not missing the opportunity to be who, who you are, which she didn't sort of thing. And she says, like, um, do you want to stand in the back or be the star? And I think I'm sorry, Meg, but they're, they're going to have to widen the doors of a White House for her to actually get through it. Oh my gosh! <laughs> How's that caboose going to go through? I'm sorry, I'm making can't my stop thinking of it. Let me make my points. And she, I think she's basically saying she was destined for fame and everything, and and this song is just continuing that theme that she's she's iconic, which. I don't think it's arrogant or anything. I think she's just celebrating. Um, yeah, and I, I just love this song. It's 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 very well produced and it's got hip hop and disco and and clean pop and it's just great. Imagine her shaking the hands of people like Nelson Mandela. And it's just crazy. This is not right. God, I hope it never happens. Tim, goes on, Lily. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, I think a couple of things. This is one of my favorite. It's not my favorite. Like Miles Away is my favorite, but this is one of the better tracks on the album. Um, and I like the change up she did for the get stupid interlude. I think that was a smart yeah. thing. Cause and that started with her. She started doing political interludes on like every tour where she did the sorry remix. And then she did the nobody knows me one. Um, 
So I thought that was a good choice. And then something else, actually, thinking about this, and I think once I point this out, you might realize it, because I didn't realize this until like a week ago. This song in particular, and like the entire Hard Candy album, sounds really similar to Kylie's body language. And I noticed that this track and I Feel For You on Kylie's body language are very similar. Hmm. Wow. If you think about I've it. I've never thought about that. I listen mean, to them back quirky. to back. No, listen yeah, to them back to yeah. back, and they have very similar sounds. Okay. Well, Madonna should be honored to be sounding anything like Kylie, so that is an awesome reference. I love that, Lily. Hey, can I say also, I'm not a big fan of rap, but I thought the rap with this with Kanye West was really good. I love the rap. Yeah, it's good. I agree. It's perfect for the song. Just say it a little bit more quietly because we don't like to give credit to that man. <laughs> and David? Uh, I actually prefer the demo. I think the demo is phenomenal. I, I was blown away. It's a grittier yeah. version, and uh, her vocals are fantastic. The harmonies, I mean, Kanye, you know, they're, they're doing the tit-for-tat singing, loved the demo this should have been i do like the album version too i i think it's very solid this should have been the third single and then miles away this i think could have done well at radio i i do i think Mm. this could have been maybe a top 40 hit for madonna it is radio friendly there's no question about that and a lot of people say that that they like the leaked version of it yeah uh, yeah the, the, the demo is i to everyone that will listen to this Please listen to, and you don't have to agree with me, but I, I, I think it's the best demo that never was, honestly. Mm. Agree. Um, I think it's also important to notice that um, this is the only non-single song on this album that charted. It charted yeah. in six countries oh, in the top ten. Oh, yeah, it was, re- it was released in other countries, like Brazil, yeah. Yeah, and Finland, apparently, or something. Dance Tonight with Justin Timberlake. Uh, It's often derided by the fans as filler and uh, people don't like it. (laughs) It probably says more about me than anything else, but I love this track. I think it's awesome. I really enjoy it. It's very, very pop-like, and that's probably why I love it. What are we making of Dance Tonight? I... I, Go ahead. Oh, you can go. You can go. Okay. I, I, I absolutely adore this track. I think it's next to Candy Shop, the sexiest song on the album. And I love when Madonna does sexy. And I love the fact that uh, obviously Justin has a lot of influences because I hear Earth, Wind & Fire. I hear um, yes. New Edition. New I hear Cool in the Gang in this song. Yes. And it's just so, again, the, the production, the lyrics, mm. are, you know, frothy lyrics, but the production's stellar. I couldn't agree more. I would agree that this really? is one of the best songs on the album. This is a, like, I think because it, it wasn't a single, I didn't really know about it until I listened to the album as a whole. But then when I did, I noticed, I loved how it like transitioned from beat goes on. And I think this is one of the, better songs on the album and then i think i misspoke by the way this was the song i meant that sounds like um kylie minogue's i feel for you yes that's what it it, like the whole album of body language i need to revisit that album i haven't listened to it in ages but i yeah shame on me yeah you will hear so many hard candy similarities on that album which i wonder if that because i know like both albums are very controversial with opinions on production so i wonder if that's a very similar thing anyway that's my two cents cool 
Um, I think there's something to be said for the lyrics, though, even with this one, further to my point, which I keep sticking to, which is about fame and it's about, you know, living in the moment and everything. And I, I still think it's it's very self-referential. And even though this song's way more about the actual music than the lyrics, as with, I think, most of them on this album, um, I, think, I think the theme of fame and success runs through pretty much all of them and this song sort of epitomises that. So, yeah. And How is she talking about it. fame and success she's, in this song? She 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 says it. She says like I can't. I don't have the specific lyrics yeah. at hand, but she's like, live in the moment. Don't miss your ch- chance to be famous, which is exactly what she was saying with um, "Beat Goes On." I, yeah. I think if you listen, if you read the lyrics, you'll find that that's true. Well, yeah. she's saying yeah. she's saying common ground. It's like everybody when you're on the dance floor, yeah. it doesn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't matter if you're rich. That's or, like Vogue, right? Or, or, it's the yeah. same same spirit of yes. Vogue. When you're on yeah. the dance floor, you are the star. You yes. are the one. Yes, you right. don't have to be beautiful. The, yeah, yeah. yeah, rich and famous. Yeah. All right, who wants to have um, a Spanish lesson? This is the song I said I hate with school, all my heart. Yeah. This song could be on Metamax. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. That's a bit of a shade right there. <laughs> How dare you, David? This song deserves a rotten... Well, it would be called Portuguese Lesson on Metamax. <laughs> no. No. Portuguese Lesson. This is... I will go on record and say I believe that this is... Well, no. I would say this and Autotune Baby are the worst Madonna songs. Wow. That is a powerful statement, Lily. And... I'm 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 holding that hard. This I hate the song so much, and I hate that she All right. used it on tour. She could have used something else. Well, I mean, this is like La Isla Bonita and other Latin-inspired songs she's done was done beautifully. This to me is taking the Spanish language and turning it into shit. <laughs> and like, <laughs> and like I played like I have a friend who's a Mexican citizen and she lives in the US now and I played this song for her and she screamed at me and told me to turn it off and I was like I will because it's terrible well I've just looked up the word um, shit in Spanish it's merida <laughs> so there's hopefully that's helpful for you Lily Megs what are you making of this track I don't have a strong opinion I just think it's fine it's good I don't think it's filler I think she performed it though, didn't she, with the tour? And I think the yes, that's what I'm saying. She wasted a spot on the tour with this song instead of like "Dance Tonight" or I. I I agree, Meg. I agree. Sorry, go, David. (laughs) No, I just agree. I I, again, I did some, I did some research and reading like old um, reviews, and this gentleman from Billboard magazine, Chuck Arnold, he says it really. I, I totally agree with him he's like uh even the flamenco flavored spent i'm quoting even the flamenco flavored spanish lesson a frivolous addition to madonna's catalog of latin infused nuggets is a guilty pleasure emphasis on guilty <laughs> it's a guilty pleasure on the album did you yeah. see that same article Yes, I read the exact yeah. same article. In print yeah, it's a good article, and it, it, yeah. you you so you saw why Hard Candy is Madonna's last great album. But yes, that's a whole that's other. That's a whole other. Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. and yeah. Emphasis on guilty. You should be guilty for liking the song. <laughs> <laughs> Capital no, punishment, on please. Pleasure. No. <laughs> Devil wouldn't recognize you as track eleven on Hard Candy. It's, at this point of the album, I've I've switched it off. If I'm going to be honest, Devil wouldn't recognize you, Megs. I thought it was really, really interesting. It, like you love how it this track, don't you? Yeah, I think it's very eerie, and and I think it sets the tone for the sort of the ending of the album, which has voices and everything. It's sort of eerie and piano-y, and then it 
merges into what the rest of the album is, which is drummy. And you know, I thought I thought it was very interesting, almost rhapsody like song, and I and I, I loved it. It, it had I think it has a deep meaning that we could go into too. But it's yeah. very bizarre, I would say, especially these last two tracks, because it's like this entire album has been in the light, and then this song mm. and voices are like going outside in the dark, and it's like, yes. where did this go? And but that's not a bad thing. I would say these two tracks are some of the best on the album, but it's just they come out yeah. of Lyric- lyrically, uh, Lily. I agree. Lyric- lyrically, yeah. I think they're fantastic. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And the final track on the album, Voices, which, Cameron, this is one of your favourites, isn't it? Isn't this the uh, one you keep wanting me to listen to? I do, because I, I think you haven't done it justice. Like, it's not my favourite. I've, I've never listened said to that. it twice. No. It, it's, I gave it a chance. Yeah, I think, it's, I think it stands with uh, Devil Wouldn't Recognise You. It's eerie. Um, it's sort of trip-hop. And it's about, you know, inner torment and bad people, bad relationships, toxic relationships, um, you know, the devil wouldn't recognize you and then voices, like even just in the titles, you can tell they're both about a similar thing. It's like, it's like psychological torment or something. It's, it's very deep. Um, I read, I read schizophrenia <laughs> on that, on that yes, song. Yes. I've, I've read that interpretation too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like voices. I- you- yeah. It's literally about hearing. Who are you? Who are you? And we were, what person are you? Uh, yeah. Again, yeah. I, the, the, the best, the best lyrics out of the album come out of these two last sing these two last songs. I would agree. Mm-hmm. This, this song, I really, I enjoy the production more on this song than devil wouldn't recognize you. It was very muddy though. Wasn't it Lily with the, with the bass and like the, there's a lot of like, um, hiss in that there song. Is, I don't know why. But it, to me, it, it bothers me. <laughs> it, well, to me, it adds to the effect where I feel like I'm, I know on the tour, she had like rain going as she was performing devil wouldn't recognize you. But to me, it's like these two songs are you walking in the dark in the rain and it's muddy, which is why I think, and, but it, it doesn't make sense to me why it's on the same album as this like light up dance album. And then all of a sudden we close with us right. walking out in right. the rain. Right. Yeah, I think, but they stand well together. Like, they, if if it was just one of them, it would have been like that. But I think she deliberately sort of makes that happen at the end. She, it's like a segment of the album. Like, you can cut it and separate it from the rest. I think there could. I think they could have been more in the middle, and then I think she should have closed it with um, four minutes as a penultimate, and then give it to me as the last. That's what I would have done. And also, it reminds me a little bit of um, Closer from Kylie Minogue, Dad, which you, you'll probably be interested to hear. It, it, this, it's got the same thing. When I think when I hear Closer, I think of her walking towards like a haunted house mm. in a graveyard, mm. and I think the same thing when I hear this song. Yeah, there is something eerie about both of those tracks. But Very eerie. Yeah. Look, in these podcasts, we don't generally go through every single additional track because we'd be here all day. However, are there any particular uh, standout tracks that didn't make the standard version of the album that any of you would like to mention such as ring my bell from the japanese version so that's not I only- I, yeah i don't like it at all it's the only song i didn't like was the bonus one i can it's see why it's bell. a bonus track like that's the only comment i really have to see is like it's a fine track but i see why it's a bonus track Oh, makes yeah, but a fight. you know what's what's crazy about that is she had two of the best bonus tracks ever on Confessions, Fighting Spirit and Super Pop were incredible bonus tracks. This one, bleh, you know. Uh, okay, think, those are opinions. I think Ring My Bell is a great song. I, I I love it. I think it would have went 
fitted very well into the album. And the album doesn't have that many songs, so I think it would have been perfectly fine to add it in somewhere towards the end because it's not the strongest song, but I think it fits the theme perfectly. I think it's funky and upbeat. And Poor great. Megs. He's, he's walked it, around the house for about <laughs> three months now saying, Dad, you've got to listen to this. Can you listen to yes. it? And I've been quite mean because I've been busy. You don't listen not deliberately, it. but I just haven't had the time to go, okay, put it on. I'll, I'll listen to it. I'm, I'm interested, though, Megs, for you to talk about Hard Candy as a whole. Mm-hmm. What memories does it bring back? Well, I was like like seven and eight when I was really enjoying this one with you, wasn't I? And I, I just I associate it with just being a child, really, and having fun and going to the beach and stuff. So it's a very it, – it's got lovely – positive memories associated with it for me so yeah we had a few visitors at the time young visitors around your age who were who were staying with us and when this album came out yeah and i remember driving to you know a couple of hours to go on little mini holidays here and there and we'd play this album back to back yeah of course skipping incredible every time well that (laughs) might be why i'm a bit biased towards it like even if a song doesn't sound particularly good. I'm, I'm in love with it still. So there you have it, Lily and and David. For for Megs, this album is a happy childhood memory, which I don't think anyone's ever said about a Madonna album before. David, what does Hard Candy mean to you? Uh, just Madonna doing a fun party album. You know, again, R&B influence, some funk, some... We got pop in there. We got a little bit of everything, but it, she didn't take herself too seriously on this one, and I, that was a breath of fresh air for me. So, and I think it's aged well. I think, again, good, good party anthem. You know, background music. You have some people over. Okay, let's put hard candy on. So it's a feel gooder. Feel gooder. Oh my goodness! Did I just say gooder? It's a feel good album. You know. Yeah, and I love feel good. Worst album. album cover of all time. Uh, out of all her studio albums. Um, yeah. She just looks yeah. sort of too masculine or something. On the well, she's yeah. a dominatrix is the idea. It's, so she's No, you guys, guys, she's supposed yes. to be hard on the front. She's the hard next to the candy. It looks, like it, was, it looks like it was done by an eighth grader. I don't know. It just... It does the, the, like, the photo on the back where she's crouched, I like that photo on the stool, but I just, I didn't care for the front. The font, like even the writing where it says hard candy, I didn't like that at all because I can imagine oh. me making that on iDraw on like a little app on my <laughs> iPad. I can, it's not sophisticated. When you were in the eighth grade, as David said. W- yes, exactly. I would definitely agree that this album cover is not one of the best, I would say, especially with the typography. I would say this one and Madame X have the worst typography of her catalogs. There were like eight different covers for Madame X. <laughs> I know, but they all had Madame X just written over her face, blocking out right. some of those brilliant portraits. For me, this album is a great time for while it lasts. But when I stay, I stay for a little bit and I go on my way afterwards. I'm not recommending this one. But when I want to enjoy a good time, I listen to this album. It's funny because all of you have identified that this is nice for Madonna to have done something that doesn't need you to go on that deep spiritual journey and tell the story from the beginning to the end, which is what she's sort of infamous for and and, and so well respected for as well by her fans. And this album, you don't have to do that. But funnily enough, that's sort of what I miss with this. It's it's a little bit lightweight. I can imagine someone like Britney or J-Lo putting something out like this at the same time, I like it. I can't say I don't, but 
there's too many fillers on it for me. I would agree with that about how like, it's like, yes, it's just a fun trip, but I am also disappointed with it. I would like a journey. And I agree that I think, I think Madonna's at her best when she does stuff like that. But I do think saying that this album is terrible is too much. I think it, it does what it does good. Um, Can I just, before we move on to anything else, can Mm. I say that, I have proof of my claim about four minutes as being about, you know, deep. Hang on, I'm just going to ring the bell. Ding, 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 ding. Megs is returning to a previously disputed point. (laughs) He has added materials to add. Yes, you attacked me for it, but I have evidence. I never attack. You did. I just persuade. So I I Am Because We Are is is a documentary you might be familiar with. That I'm glad you brought that up. About five days before she released Hard Candy, mm. once she had already recorded four minutes and all that sort of thing. So I think it's very um, true to say that there's a link between them. And I think that she was definitely inspired by Africa to make the song or inspired by the song to do things about Africa. So there's my proof. All right. Four minutes is an African inspired ditty well, that Madonna <laughs> recorded in 2008. No, it's like, it's like there a, a tragedy inspired one. Okay. Look, I'm not going to go out and recycle because I listened to four minutes. All right, I take it back. I don't <laughs> agree with you. I still don't agree. African with you. nation of Malawi. Well, Dickens. well, the year before, she released as a single "Hey You," which I think was like a nursery rhyme song. But uh, uh, mm. you guys don't remember? Anyway, look at I up. remember it. I but I ignore it. It's forgettable. <laughs> it's forgettable. <laughs> and then, okay. <laughs> Well, but it's a song about peace and earth and yeah, loving one another. Same thing. Mm-hmm. Okay, Lily, give us the lowdown. How did this um, track worldwide in terms of the charts and sales? Well, for charting, it did quite well. Um, it went top five in 28 countries for um, the album as a whole. And in 23 different charts, it peaked at number one, which is quite impressive. And uh, for sales with the album, it sold a total of $4 million, which is four times more than Rebel Heart sold. I'm not sure about some of the other albums. I know her earlier ones, of course, sold more. But looking at it, I would not say this was a commercial failure, like some people might imply with it being a bad album. I would definitely say it's, it charted well and it performed well commercially. It's in New Zealand that hung around for around nine weeks in the top ten. Really? Of course, in New Zealand, you only have to sell about five copies a week to do that, but it was still successful. Well, I, I think it's the last of 11 studio albums that she did for Warner Bros., which um, is interesting. Like, she yep. went to a different label after that or something. She did. She I went on to Live Nation after this. Okay. Yeah, it is. She was with 25 years with uh, Warner Brothers. Yes. And then moved over to Live Nation. So you're right to point that out. That was a significant... But this also was the year, 2008, was the year she was uh, inducted in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, which is really great. So on her I first year of eligibility, yeah. In terms of Madonna's whole world of, of music and albums, where does this one sit in there with the, with the fan community and with yourself, Lily? For me, I would, I would agree that it is a lower-placing album if you look at her career as a whole. Does that mean it's bad? No, I don't think, I mean, we can argue back and forth about if she has bad albums or not, but just because this is lower on the end of her career doesn't mean that it's a bad album. I think what it does, it does well, and I'm grateful mm. for that. Megs? 
Yeah, well, I just can't. I, I just love this album for all the, like you said, the memories I have associated with it. And I don't think there's any filler besides Incredible, to be honest. I think every song has a really good thing to contribute to the to the overarching album. And I do think Ring My Bell should have been put in there. So. Well, the that. Japanese, they were delighted because they got it on their album. Yes. And David? Uh, well, I, she has 14 studio albums. It's number nine on my list. So it's... But <laughs> I love again, the way Madonna fans always have a list. Yes. They always have a list. <laughs> but again, I give this album a B, B plus. Good to very good. Uh, you know, it's... It, not introspective, not overly, uh, again, serious, but just fun and carefree. Just party up a little bit. Dance tonight. Well, there you have it. Lily, David and Megs, thank you so much for talking all things hard candy tonight. It's been a fantastic discussion. I've got to say, though, I'm, I know it sounds probably warped and bizarre, but I'm just pray that those photos don't ever come out. That uh, alternative album cover for Black Madonna slash hard candy. I hope they never come out because it will spell catastrophe for Madonna Inc. and Madonna herself. Yeah, it'd be Let's hope we don't get in trouble for bringing it up. <laughs> no, no. it's it's oh. You can find it anywhere. David, this has been your first time talking about a Madonna yeah. album via one of our podcasts. Have you had fun? Oh my gosh, so much fun. You three were fantastic and I'm, I was a fan before and thank you for allowing me to, to join this hard candy journey. I hope I could do it again. Oh, we hope to have you on board. You're awesome. And anyone else listening, if you would like to join one of these podcasts, you can. They're not an exclusive club. Look at me. I made it through the door. <laughs> We'd even let Kanye West in, I have to say. So leave us a comment and we will invite you into one of our um, future podcasts. We're probably going to tackle confessions next because we've left it there hanging. I've got to say thank you so much, Lily, and thank you, Megs. And, of course, thank you, David. Thank, thank you, you very much. much.